Paula Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PalaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, want to do a shout-out to Fox 6 who is starting the process of doing something that it would have been nice to see, well, if we still had investigative reporters at the Journal Sentinel, or if you had other TV reporters who were looking for stuff for Sweeps Week. This is just the tip of the iceberg. A month or so ago, when you had the revelations about Daryl Brooks, who was the sociopathic career criminal who was out on what we all agree was ridiculously low bail, who drove through the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killed six people, and injured dozens and dozens of others. The big question, of course, was why was this guy out on bail? And the district attorney in Milwaukee County, John Chisholm, said, oh, this was this is a one-off. This was a mistake, and it was an overworked young assistant district attorney who really screwed up badly, and the court commissioner screwed up, but it's 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 a one-off. And What I have been saying for the last month is it's not a one-off. This is something that happens on a daily basis in the Milwaukee County court system. And it's just stuff that has flown under the radar. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, somebody that's out on bail ends up murdering six people and killing dozens more. But crimes are regularly committed by people who are out on ridiculously low bails. And the information is there. You just have to start looking for it. Okay, so as the tip of the iceberg, here's the deal. Fox 6 goes out, and I sent out a link to this report on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Here's the headline. One in five homicide suspects already out on bail. One out of every five suspects charged with killing or trying to kill someone else in Milwaukee County so far this year was already out for bond for another felony crime. And more than half of those pending cases were violent. The Fox 6 investigators reviewed 117 homicides and attempted homicide cases filed between January 1st and December 10th. Okay, now let's let, let's start off. Right now in the city of Milwaukee, there have been, I think the most current number is 195 homicides. So they've only charged 117. So you, you still have another you know, 80 or so homicides, slightly less than that, that have been committed that apparently haven't been charged. So we don't know about those perpetrators. In addition, this also included attempted homicide cases, too. So they go, okay, let's see the people that have been charged. Let's see what this looks like. So they're able to identify 117. So here's the question. Okay, of that 117, you know, what what do they look like? What does their criminal record look like? So first of all, again, understand that of that 117 that have been charged, First of all, they're not looking at what their past convictions are. They're not looking and saying, okay, does somebody have a past conviction or what is their history? But here's here's the deal. Of those charged cases, 117 people charged with homicide or attempted homicide, 25 of those were already free on bail for a pending felony 
That is roughly one out of every five. Of those 25 accused killers out on bond, more than half had pending felonies that involved violence. So you got 25 people who allegedly have murdered people this year. They were free on bail. Of that, 13 of the people out on bail are charged with crimes of violence. And get this, at least six posted bonds of $1,000 or less before they were charged with engaging in deadly violence. And then they give you some of the breakdowns of these cases, and it's an absolute horror show. Uh, Here's what they write. In fact, George Real was already convicted of killing someone just five years ago. The fatal hit and run from 2016 earned him probation rather than prison time. All right, that's a whole other story. So he's convicted of fatal hit and run. He's put on probation. When Real was charged with leading police on a high-speed chase in 2020, so he kills somebody in 2016 hit and run, high-speed chase in 2020, his bond was set at $3,000. He's on probation, of course, for hit and run from 2016. He posted the three grand, got out, kept driving. On New Year's Eve 2020, a year ago, police say Real blew through a red light at 60th and Burleigh, causing a crash that sent another car through the air. It landed on 36-year-old Arthur Baker, who was standing on the median. Baker was killed. Demetrius Peterson, charged in 2019 with shooting at a friend who refused to go on a food run with him. The bond was $10,000, then later reduced to $1,000 when case backlogs delayed his trial. Pearson paid the $1,000 and three days later removed his GPS bracelet and went off the grid. In other words, he jumped bail. Ten months later, police say Pearson shot and wounded an ex-girlfriend after threatening to kill her. 16-year-old Angel Ortiz led police on a six-mile high-speed pursuit that ended when he crashed into an occupied car and a daycare. His bail, $750. The next year, at age 17, Ortiz led police on another high-speed pursuit. This time, he is accused of causing a fatal T-bone crash. He's out on $750 bail. The report on Fox 6 continues. There's hardly a more troubling example than that of Dequan McMillan. He was charged in 2019 from running with running from police while in possession of cocaine, methamphetamine, and a gun. The state recommended a $5,000 cash bail. Court Commissioner Maria Dorsey agreed to the $5,000 amount but made it a signature bond which means the defendant did not have to pay anything to get out of jail. So he's on a signature bond. But, of course, he promises that he'll pay the five grand if he doesn't show up or he violates conditions. In November of 2020, while still out on the 2019 bail bond, prosecutors say McMillan punched the mother of his children in the face, pulled her hair, and choked her until she blacked out. The violent attack stunned the victim's great aunt, Eva McClinton. We didn't know he was doing all these things to her. McMillan was charged with strangulation, battery, and bail jumping. This time, the assistant district attorney, Carol Manchester, recommended a $500 cash bail. Just 10% of the $5,000 the state had recommended a year earlier. 
The defense asked for another signature bond. Court Commissioner Dewey Martin split the difference, setting bail at $250 cash. So two violent fellas running from the cops, dope, guns, beating someone, two separate charges a year apart, and all in all, he's paid $250 in cash bail. According to the digital a digital recording of the hearing obtained by Fox 6 News, includes the following exchange between the defendant and his attorney. The defendant says, it's only $250, right? The attorney says, yeah, man, it's only 250 That's pretty cheap. A relative posted McMillan's $250 bail, and once again, he was released. With both the 2019 and the 2020 felony cases still pending, police say McMillan struck again on June 13th of 2021. This time, he's accused of shooting 23-year-old Brittany Meyer to death the same woman he was charged with strangling, strangling and brutalizing seven months earlier. According to the criminal complaint, witnesses heard children screaming. The couple had two young children together. Okay, you, you get the idea. And, and this is, again, this is just the the tip of, of the iceberg. If you start, I think, peeling back, looking at all the people who've been charged with robbery, looking at all the people who've been charged with car theft, for goodness sakes. Now, you can't find a lot of those because it's predominantly juveniles, and we protect juveniles by not allowing their records to be shown. But th- this is the tip of the iceberg. And I guess my point of this, and this this starts to document it, it's not a one-off. Daryl Brooks was not Oh, an overworked prosecutor and a clueless court commissioner screwed up. Yes, they did. But this is part of a system that we have that turns dangerous people loose over and over and over again. And in what should surprise no one, those dangerous people then go out and they commit arguably even worse crimes and and then we just throw up our hands and say well why do we have 192 homicides or 195 homicides in the city of Milwaukee why do we have 10,000 plus car thefts why do we have all these robberies why do we have all these rapes and why are these people who are doing this out on the street our number 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line I guess I really it's sort of a rhetorical question but how much more of this are people going to take I mean, at some point in time, don't we need to recognize that what we are doing is not working and it is endangering all our lives? And the way you start is by revamping the system and doing like what the feds do. Two prongs. First of all, bail is designed to determine whether or not somebody's likely to show up. And secondly, it's designed to determine whether somebody is a danger to the community. And if you are a danger to the community, maybe you shouldn't get out on bail at all based on your prior record or what you've done. Or arguably, if you're a danger to the community, the bail needs to be set so high that somebody is going to actually have to take some responsibility for looking out for you um, if you go out and you commit other crimes. But isn't can't we finally just agree collectively on one thing, and that is that what we're doing now isn't working? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I got an email. I said, Jeff, there are many problems with Wisconsin's bail system. 
which I agree with. Let's stop pointing fingers at the ADAs and expend energy in changing our laws so that they align with federal law. Well, here, here's the problem with, with that. This, yes, the the laws in the state of Wisconsin need to be toughened significantly. But here's the problem again. You know, you've got a district attorney in Milwaukee like John Chisholm who prides himself on his progressive, in quotation marks, approach to things like that. The, the district attorneys, assistant district attorneys, are instructed, find ways not to lock people up. They, they are essentially operating in many cases in lockstep with the public defenders. Let's get people out on the street. Changing the laws without changing some of the district attorneys is going to absolutely do nothing because ultimately it's the district attorneys that end up making the decision as to what the philosophy is. My only point is to try to um, brush Daryl Brooks off as a one-off mistake of the system is to ignore the facts. Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi, yeah. Hi Chris. Um, you know, the, the sad thing is, is some of these people, just it's, it's just a constant revolving door. And I guess that's what's so disheartening is it just keep on happening and happening and happening. And then you don't want to go shopping. And then you don't want to do this. And then you're worried about your car. Right. And then, you know, it's just, just let's, you know, let's, I, I, I guess I really feel that. Let's put the people away who are really, really, you know, bad criminals, car thieves, um, rapists, everything that you're talking about, because they have to go somewhere, and they can't be put in just their normal house and... and Well, you know, the thing is, Chris, you know, to your point, Chris, if you talk to the cops, they will tell you that the vast majority of crime is committed by a relatively small percentage of repeat hardcore criminals you know yeah, it, it's it, and and so absolutely. and and that because you know and look, look i i understand it, it's possible that somebody wakes up one day and decides they're going to steal a car or they end up getting in a bar fight right, and causing right. damage but that's but but it's it's as a general rule that's the least of our worries right right, right. at a general rule yeah, it I mean, is long-term repeat offenders who are put back out on the street or no processed or let out on stupid low bails that keep committing these crimes. And it is completely and totally predictable. And most cops will tell you that. Right. And it's so, and it, it has to be so sad for the cops to, to arrest these people. Over and, and over. And they're like, oh, I know Joe. And then they're, you know, in the back of the police car. And then they're going to be let out in a week. And then they're going to arrest them again and again. And it's like, you know, sometimes they're just people who are not good people. Right. Or right. Thanks for call. And again, and what you need to do then is you need to pivot from, all right, how can we rehabilitate this person, put him back on the street to how are we going to protect the rest of us? And if you really want to see examples of that, you know, you were saying, OK, they're back a week later or two weeks later. You talk about juveniles and car thefts. They're, they're back 24 hours later, 48 hours later. And of course, we, we're never going to be able to find how bad that is, because in Wisconsin right now that we we protect juveniles. You can you can steal 15 cars. The DA's office will not waive you into adult court, even after 10 or 15 cars, unless in a high-speed chase fleeing from the cops, you've run through red lights and you've hit and killed somebody. Well, then you, you might get into adult court. But you never even know. What were the numbers last week we were tossing around of the car thieves in Milwaukee who have been caught this year and charged? 
uh, almost half are 16 and under. And as a general rule, you have no way of knowing, because we shield this from the general public, how many of all those car thieves ha- have done it five, six, seven, eight times and keep getting released back out on the streets to do it again. Anecdotally, and yeah, my, my gut sense tells me, if you opened up those court records, you would be stunned absolutely stunned at the number of repeat offenders who are just turned loose over and over again. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Well, I think the crime issue across this country certainly has been exasperated by COVID, but uh, unfortunately the infrastructure is already in place. And if you look at all the major American cities, I mean, this is no uh, big revelation, but they're run by liberal Democrats. Well, it sure doesn't seem to be working for crime. And, you know, I think you had a system in crisis to begin with. And I I do think the pandemic and stuff has has made it worse because we've essentially shut down the courts by and large. You know, there's a huge backlog of trials and judges don't want to detain people. So they're bending over backwards to release people who should not be released onto the streets. And people are dying and people are being robbed and people's houses are being burglarized and their cars are stolen because of it. And it's 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 a really bad situation that we're at in now. Yeah, and I, I think, honestly, the pandemic certainly has uh, created some uh, angst, you know, among the country for some time now, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's contributing too. But like I said, it's the unfortunately, the uh, system was already in place. That's yep. probably... Yep. Um, Oh, no, you're right. I mean, thank, thanks for calling. I mean, John Chisholm boasts about the catch and release policy. He's proud of the fact that we don't put people in jail. And look, I understand it costs money to put people in jail. Whenever I do topics like this, people say, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to say, build jails. I, I believe that the general public would support you know, holding facilities for dangerous people or, or, or jails if we were going to use them. If the choice is you're going to let people out who should not be out and they're going to go out and commit more crimes or kill people or rob people or carjack people or do whatever they're going to do. And if you deal with if you deal with the repeat offenders, you, you get a big leg up on this. But again, I want to just circle back to where we started. You know, kudos to, to Fox 6 for this investigative report. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, they looked at, at 117 people charged with homicide just this year alone. Start broadening that out. This is a challenge to investigative reporters, the Journal Sentinel, although I think that they're going to probably find some numbers that don't necessarily match with your theories. But, you know, um, start looking. Start looking at auto theft. Start looking at the repeat offenders. And then don't just look at bail. Look at people who are put out on probation. Look at the repeat criminals that you find. Because I will tell you on a regular basis, when we see somebody who's been arrested for something horrific and you run them through the Wisconsin Circuit Court, system and you you find oh they're out on probation for this they're out on bail for that this is not an unusual thing how many more people need to die how many more people innocent people need to be victimized by these hardcore criminals that our catch and release revolving door system turns loose over and over again the answer is i don't know don't know how many more people are going to die before we say enough is enough welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj 
Please join Good Karma Brand, 620 WTMJ and 3rd Street Market Hall for United for Waukesha for a United for Waukesha charity event this Wednesday, December 22nd. Your $100 ticket includes food samples from the future 3rd Street Market Hall vendors, steak from Carnivore, great place, and two drink tickets for the bar. Plus, former Brewers all-star catcher Jonathan Lucroy will be in attendance. The event will take place on Wednesday from 5 p.m. till 8 p.m. with 100% of the proceeds benefiting those affected by the tragedy at this year's Waukesha Christmas Parade. For tickets or additional information, text the word TICKET to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. We are, again, monitoring the, the latest debacle uh, in the stock market, the uh, stock market today, as Mike was talking about, down 633 points. Uh, that's that's the Dow, 1.79%. NASDAQ down 1.82%. This is, of course, um, yet another day of, of the stock market cratering with a couple exceptions over the course of the last month. It's been a really, really bad month as investors look at the fact that we, we do not appear to have a, a handle on on COVID. There, there's a little bit of good news and lots of bad news about it. We'll get into that as the, the show goes on. But um, bottom line is investors afraid that there's going to be new lockdowns and new limitations and that uh, you've got more problems with the economy. So just another very, very bad day. Santa has uh, had some lumps of coal for the stock market and for investors over the course of the last couple of weeks. Hey, before we move from, from the segment of bail and stuff, what, one other note, because this was a story that the Journal Sentinel broke over the course of the last couple days the in court proceedings all court proceedings are supposed to be recorded so you have a record of those proceedings now i mean i I was a product of the federal system and for every federal court hearing they they had court reporters at least back when i was practicing law they they had court reporters and so you'd have a hearing you'd have a bail hearing and you know i would represent the government we would make arguments as to why you know so and so should be detained without bail or whatever and the defense would respond and the magistrate would make their ruling and then you'd have a record you'd have a transcript of the evidence that was presented and what was said and the rationale for things and so what would happen then is if you wanted to appeal the decision well you order a transcript you've got a record so that everybody the prosecutors the defense the court any appellate court or higher court that wants to review it or the general public can see what arguments were made so it's very important to have this now in milwaukee county i guess i didn't realize this apparently they they don't they don't do live transcription in, in many cases of the hearings they don't have a court reporter that's actually in there, you know, documenting what happens. And what they do, or at least what they've done, is, is they'll have like a recording system. So they'll just turn on the recorders, and then the recording is there. And if somebody wants a transcript, if somebody wants a record of the proceedings, what you can do is you can request it, you can make arrangements to pay for it, and they'll bring in a court reporter to actually do the transcriptions. That's a strikingly bad system. I'm just going to tell you, that, that's, that's, that is a, that's a system to not actually have somebody there taking it down and to rely on on the the fact that we've got this electronic system that 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 is fraught with peril and you have exactly that's what happened because apparently what the media they with this this decision on Daryl Brooks Jr 
that to let him out on $1,000 bail. All right, the, the media, and the journalists is from the Journal Sentinel, apparently they wanted to see, okay, what exactly was said? What were the arguments that were made? Was there any arguments? What was said in the hearing? So they go looking for the recording to create a transcript. Now, again, I, I think it's just strikingly bad judgment that you don't have a, a, record, a court reporter that's taking all this in, and you're just relying on an electronic recording where you're not, not necessarily going to be able to tell who said what and, and whatever. But, okay, that's the system. So they go and they say, okay, we, we want the recording. So court officials then say, okay, let's look. Well, they, they find the recording, or it was supposed to be the recording. It's blank. It's it's blank. It's non-existent. Now, they say it wasn't erased, and I don't have any evidence to suggest that it was. But apparently what happened is, um, this is what they say, no one deleted or erased an audio file, the court commissioner says. What exists is the audio file, the recording, that contains no sound. So it's not like we erased it. It's that the audio recording audio recording never recorded in the first place. How could it not record in the first place? A reasonable person would ask. Apparently, they say it contains no sound due to the old sound system or the microphones in the courtroom being powered off. So in other words, I don't know. It's either a defective sound system or somebody turned off the microphones. I mean, somebody turned off the the microphones in this situation. Um, a review by both state and county IT staff found no problems with recording equipment in the intake room. The county owns and operates the equipment. But on the Friday afternoon that Brooks appeared, and over the next three days, no recordings are made were made. That happened while the room was occupied by three different court commissioners and various deputy courts. So... I, Again, and and this is just a three-day period in one room. Who knows how many bail decisions, probable cause hearings, or whatever don't exist because you didn't have a court reporter in there and the recording system, the microphones weren't turned on or it didn't function properly or they were turned off at some point in time. It's just, again, it's you you look at this Daryl Brooks thing and it gets worse and worse and worse. And again, to me, my guess is it's probably only the tip of the iceberg. Now, would it have changed anything? No, because we know what happened. The clerk, the clerk of courts, you know, made notes as to what was going on. And also you have that kind of record. But what was said, the actual occurrence, the arguments that particularly made, they're gone. They're, they're just absolutely gone. Now, that's not fair. It's not that they're gone. They were never recorded in the first place. The sloppiness. The cavalier attitude that apparently takes place on a regular basis in these bail hearings is absolutely stunning, period. Okay, when we come back, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, we might not go. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There is no question that we are in the middle of a COVID pandemic uh, resurgence. I mean, you, you look at the numbers of hospitalizations, you, you see that. And a lot of that is fueled, and some people don't like to hear it, a lot of that is fueled by decisions that people have made to not get vaccinated. Because the vast majority of people who are hospitalized are people who are unvaccinated. That That's just the reality. And it's why... 
I, I make this point all the time, and sometimes it gets lost in nuance. I do not believe the government has the authority or the right to go door to door and stick needles in people's arms. I, I don't believe the government has the right to force employers to insist that as a condition of keeping their job, employees need to be vaccinated. The my exception to that might be health care. That's a different discussion. But having said that, I, I think I think we should all get vaccinated. I, I mean, I, we've done topics on this program about why people have chosen not to get vaccinated. And it, in all honesty, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, it really, it, it doesn't. I mean, even though Getting vaccinated and getting your booster shot is no guarantee that you won't get COVID. It's no guarantee of that. Overwhelmingly, the numbers say that if you're vaccinated and you have a booster, your chances of getting COVID are a lot less. And more significantly, your chances of becoming seriously ill due to COVID are greatly reduced. So given what's going on with the hospitals, given the, given the reemergence of this, and given the fact that if you are, again, unvaccinated, you're much likely to have a much more significant result. I, I just I personally believe that people should be vaccinated unless you've got a really, really good, compelling medical reason or something not to do it. To me, it, it just ends up making sense. But nevertheless, I recognize that right now you've got a lot of people that aren't vaccinated. In Wisconsin, it's about 40%. And although I don't understand it, 40% of the people have made that decision that they're not getting vaccinated. And by and large, that's the people who's populating the hospitals. All right. That's and I I guess on the one hand, you say, okay, well, if you decide you're not going to get vaccinated, that's the risk that you end up running. But it, it does affect other people, particularly it affects hospital beds and things of the like. So if hospitals don't have any room because everybody that's in there is dealing with, you know, COVID issues, that means other people can't get into the hospital. So there is this kind of snowball effect, which is the reason why, again, I personally believe people should follow my example. And unless you've got a really good reason, you, you should get vaccinated, get your booster shot and have that extra layer of protection, understanding that it's not a guarantee that you're not going to come down with COVID again, but it lessens the odds of that. And it greatly lessens the odds that if you get COVID, you're going to end up being really sick. All right. So we are looking at the reemergence of COVID, the new strain, particularly in the northern states, because it's now getting colder and people are going inside. And of course, what do we have going on this week? We have the holidays. You've got Christmas that's coming up on Saturday. You've got New Year's Eve, um, you know, six days after that. And people are making decisions now about whether or not they're going to follow through with their travel plans and whether they're going to travel over the holidays. Now, this is the source of a lot of different maybe conflicting advice. There's a number of public health officials out there in various cities across the country who are saying, do not travel. By by traveling, by um, going to a different city, by getting on an airplane, by getting on a bus, um, by staying in hotels, you increase your potential exposure to other people. You increase the risk that maybe you're going to be exposed to COVID and then bring it back to your community. So a lot of public officials, health officials are saying, we really don't want you to travel over this holiday season. You know, Anthony Fauci, who's kind of, Like in this case, I I think he's trying to walk a line between panicking people and telling people what he thinks they should do. So he's saying, well, look, you know, you've got to be prudent if you plan to travel this season. There's a risk of increased infection that goes with respiratory illness. If you need to travel or want to travel, 
um, and you're vaccinated and you're boosted, boosted and you take care of where you go, like airports, and you make sure you wear your mask, you, you should be okay. But nevertheless, a lot of people are reluctant to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you changed your holiday travel plans as a result of the resurgence of COVID over the course of the last month? 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm not changing my plans. I've got my vaccination. I've got my booster. I wear masks when I travel. I'm doing about all I can to protect myself and others. How long are they going to keep telling us not to do stuff? Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's, I guess I'm sort of in that situation, too. Got my vaccinations, got my boosters. If I need to get on an airplane, I'll, I'll, I'll wear the mask. I'm, I, that, that's fine. If I've got to wear the mask, that's it. I think at some point in time, you have to say, well, okay, I'm, I am cautious. I recognize that, that that COVID is out there, but at the same time, you've done everything you pretty much can reasonably do to protect yourself and to protect others. Now, of course, there's a lot of people who necessarily aren't vaccinated, which is one of the reasons I think everybody should get vaccinated because I think that goes a long way towards protecting others. 855 and yourself, 855-616-1620. Uh, James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Oh, hello. Thank Hi. you for taking my call. Yes. You know, I, I would agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I have not changed my tarot plans. Quite frankly, I traveled last year, too, um, uh, being unvaccinated. Obviously, it wasn't a vaccine back then. But, um, you know, I, I took a lot more precautions last year. I had double masks and a face mm-hmm. shield. This year, I'll just wear the, the mask that, that's required of me. You know, I, I, I don't know if you want to get into this specific topic, but is this is this being hyped as a crisis again, perhaps, and I'm just saying perhaps, to distract from from some policy failures that our president is currently having. I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, because, I mean, if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, I mean, yes, people are getting breakthroughs, but they're, you know, it's it's less than a flu at this point in terms of, and, and there doesn't seem to be any physical, you know, threat yeah. to your to your life if, if you're completely vaccinated. So, you know, I'm just wondering if this is being used as a, yeah. as a as a means of distracting us and i'm you know i'm not a conspiracy right. nut here but i'm just saying you know well, well james my say, what I think that, think? Oh, thanks for call i mean i'll address it directly my, my answer is no 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 one of the things look biden's approval ratings are are, are plummeting all right they're, they're, they are cratering I, I, but i i think part of that is because of of covid i mean i, I think there have now been more covid deaths under I, I, I saw the headline and i i think there've now been more covid deaths under biden than there were under trump and i, I if not it's close to that and it will soon exceed that um i, I think you know, one of the things that, that Biden had his honeymoon on initially was the fact that, OK, he's being perceived as being the guy that's going to you know get us out of the covid thing and get us back to normal. And now, arguably, again, depending who you talk to, we're in a worse situation now than we were when he took over in January. So my answer would be no, I, I don't think there's any I think Joe Biden desperately wants covid to go away and, and we all want covid to go away. But I, but I think, you know, covid. And the White House's handling of COVID, he's going to be speaking to the country tomorrow. And I I think what you are going to do, you're going to hear a dramatic change in tone 
from the president. At least that's the things that I'm being told. Instead of hey, we're you know, let, let's all get vaccinated. We're 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 you know it's light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think we're going to hear a light at the end of the tunnel thing. I think we're going to hear a people are dying, people are going to continue to die, lots of people are dying. This is out of control, and you know we we need all Americans to go get vaccinated and stuff. No, I think it's going to be a completely different tone that you hear coming from the president as opposed to, hey, we're kind of turning the corner and, and we're going to get past all this. I, I think, to, to be candid with you, I, I think Biden wants COVID, just like we all do, to go away desperately because I think it's been one of the things that has been causing a huge decline in his popularity because I think people thought that he was going to be the guy that could figure out how to solve COVID. And I'm not saying that any president could have. I, I think Trump got way too much blame for his quote-unquote mishandling of COVID. I thought Biden got way too much credit early on. And now, you know, I, I look, I believe we'd probably be in the same situation we are today, regardless of whether Biden was the president in 2020 or Trump was the president in 2021. Let's take a quick break. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Just one final thought on, on the whole politics. One of the callers said, Jeff, do you think it's possible that that, that Biden is trying to use COVID as a distraction for the policy, policy failures? And, and my answer is unequivocally no. I, I mean, I just putting aside the fact that we want to get past COVID so we can get back to normal, that the fact that we haven't been able to move past that has been an absolute political disaster, not to mention, you know, the, the disaster as far as, you know, human lives and things like that. It's been a disaster for the Biden administration. And it was, in some respects, this is what happens when you build up expectations. During the 2020 election, and I continue to believe that if it were not for COVID, Donald Trump would have been reelected. But what I think caused him to lose, and yes, he did lose the election, was the fact that um, a lot of people, and this this was, COVID was weaponized by Democrats, and, and I, I get it, I understand, politics isn't beanbag, and the idea was that Donald Trump responded poorly to COVID, and the, he, he downplayed the significance of this, and all these people died, and I, I think that, that by weaponizing it and politicizing it in that fashion, a, a lot of people bought into that and said okay now we're we'll, we'll go with we'll go with old joe cuz he's going to switch it up and the truth of the matter is i'm not sure that any president any presidential response would have been materially different i mean trump fast tracked all the vaccines and the general perception was let's get these vaccines the quicker we get the vaccines that's going to be our way out of it but but biden exploited this democrats exploited this hey get rid of trump things are going to turn around i was i just pulled this out last february biden is at cnn town hall this is last february by christmas that would be like next week i think we'll be in very different circumstances god willing than we are today a year from now i think there'll be significantly fewer people having to be socially distanced having to wear a mask well, that didn't turn out to be correct. Um, back in, you know, March, you know, he ended up saying, look, here, here's all we need to do to beat the virus. Tell the truth, follow the scientists and the science, work together, put our faith in our government to fulfill the most important function, which is protecting the American people. No function is more important. Hey, we're, we're going to turn this all around. And, and we haven't done that. And I think Biden is, 
fair or not, because as I said earlier, I think Trump got too much blame. And I think, you know, Biden got all this rosy credit. Oh, once Joe Biden comes in, it's all going to be all different. And now, you know, we're in a situation where shortly, if not, if not already, you're going to have more deaths in the United States under Biden than there were under Trump. And I don't blame Biden for that, just like I'm not sure I blame Trump for that. And I understand that there's people that are out there who will try to say, well, you know, this whole problem is because Trump, you know, downplayed all this stuff and, and that's created this. He's the one that politicized it. Well, from a political perspective, there, there's only so much. You know, after Trump's been gone for going on a year, there's only so much of blame the other guy that 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 only carries so far. Like I say, I think that's one of the things that's driving Biden's poll numbers down. So, no, I am confident that for so many different reasons, Joe Biden wants to get this country past COVID. It's just he created these expectations that were unrealistic. And now. Again, I think when you hear him speak tomorrow, you're not going to hear this sort of rosy thing. You're going to hear, uh, we're going to lose lots more people and we need to get people vaccinated. And we need to get people boosted um, because otherwise the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed once again as we go through these uh, these months. And it's going to be overwhelmed with people who, again, don't have the vaccinations and they're going to be taking up hospital beds and other sick people aren't going to be able to get in. Now, I think the tone is going to be very different from the cnn thing hey by christmas time we're going to get past all this all right which does raise another covid related issue and and the whole program is not going to be on covid but let's face it this continues to be the dominant issue like it's been for almost two years now because it's affecting whether it's driving like the stock market into the tank, whether it's driving healthcare professionals out of the healthcare field, whether it's creating a medical crisis because there aren't hospital beds, whether it's creating a travel crisis, whether it is wearing on people um, on so many different levels, COVID continues to be that this, this this massive factor. One of the things that experts are now starting to say is that even though you are considered fully vaccinated, if you have your J&J shot, or you have the two doses of Pfizer or uh, Moderna, they are recommending that you get the booster shot, the, the third the third shot. Now, at some point in time, I think in the reasonably near future, to be considered fully vaccinated, I think you're going to have to have the booster. But what's interesting to me, and I have a, there's a story in the New York Times about this, of the Americans who are fully vaccinated – so these are people that have already made the decision to get vaccinated. We're not talking about the, the subset of folks who, for whatever reasons, don't want to get the vaccination in the first place. These are people who've made the decision to get vaccinated. Um, of the adult Americans who are fully vaccinated and eligible for a booster shot, only about 30 percent, three in 10, have received those. Huh. And among all Americans, only about one in six has received a booster. Just over half of Americans 65 and older, the population most vulnerable to a severe outcome from the virus, have received a booster. So, and again, one of the things that we've known from the beginning because of COVID was that the people who are most likely to have a bad outcome from COVID are people with underlying health conditions and people who are older, and in particular, people who are older that have underlying health conditions. While there are certainly exceptions to this, as a general rule, an otherwise healthy 22-year-old who comes down with COVID is not going to end up in the hospital. 
Could it happen? Yes, it, it could. But that's not where the numbers are. But among the most vulnerable age group, you know, people 65 and older, only what were the numbers? Um, only about half have received a booster shot. And overall, of among the all the people who've already gotten boosters, they say only about 30 percent have of people who've gotten vaccinated have gotten a booster. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What what do you think is going on here? And I, I am legitimately curious about this because once it seems to me, once you've made the decision that you're going to get vaccinated, at that point in time, you've pretty much bought into, haven't you, the idea that, okay, I, I think whatever risks come from the vaccine are far outweighed by the protection I'm going to get from it. So you, you get vaccinated. If you get vaccinated, why wouldn't you turn around and get the booster? 855-616-1620. And yet apparently 70% nationwide of people who have been vaccinated haven't gotten the booster. And of the people in the most vulnerable category, 65 and older, only about half have. Don't understand it. What's going on here? 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Very thoughtful responses here uh, before we go to the phone. Jeff, I do believe that people are getting COVID fatigue. In addition to that, we keep hearing large numbers of people getting COVID who have had two, even three shots. I think people are starting to question the value of the vaccines and the boosters. I think they're starting to balance the protection to the possibility of getting it and living through it. Um, Jeff, I was vaccinated, Pfizer, two shots, got so sick after the second shot that I'm afraid to get the booster because I've heard, I feel you feel even more sick after the booster shot. And I'm one of the people in one of the vulnerable um groups uh jeff i think people are concerned that it's not working that's why they aren't getting the boosters look at the sports they're vaccinated people and there's a high percentage of people getting it it's just not a breakthrough well and that it's true but of course it's again your chances if you get covid after you've been vaccinated or vaccinated and boosted, your chances of getting really sick are dramatically reduced. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, it hasn't happened to me, but I, I know some people who've had the, the breakthrough cases. Now, thankfully, in all those situations, even though they've been vaccinated, and in one case I'm thinking of, uh, a booster, it's very, very mild. You know, it's a very, very mild situation. They're not going to the hospitals or anything like that. So I guess I keep thinking, well, all right, aren't you even better off doing that? Because at the end of the day, if it's a mild symptom like cold, you can live with that. If it's going to the hospital and being on a ventilator, you can't. 855-616-1620. Jared in Greenfield. Jared, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Jared. What do you think? Well, you know, I got the first. Uh, I got two doses of Pfizer vaccine, and I had a really bad reaction um, to those shots. The the first one, I was a little sick like most people get. The second one, I didn't feel anything, but about a week later, um, due to the inflammatory nation of the shots, um, I ended up getting gout for the first time in my life, and I was was pretty sick. And uh, so I'm a little nervous to get the booster shot. I do believe in the vaccines. I think that they're great, but... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather not go through gout again or whatever else might happen from the inflammatory nature of them. Right. So you're, you're kind of taking a wait and see approach, at least right now. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say that it's not even that. It's more of if it becomes mandatory, like if my job mandated it or some other reason it got mandated, I would probably do it because I don't want to lose my job. But uh, in the end, I'd rather not get it. Um, All right. Well, that's because you had a reaction. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. um, Again, my perspective, I I had no reaction to the first two shots. I had no reaction to the booster. I, I know people who've had, and it's it's just all over the map. It's very very individual. I, I I know people who've had what I would describe as minor reactions to the first two doses, and by that I mean like flu like symptoms, and they felt like the bottom of the birdcage for for a day, but they got over it. Who've had like no reaction to to the booster? I mean, no problem with that at all. But it is going to vary on individuals. Let's talk to let's see, uh, Chris in uh, Columbus. Hi, Chris. Hi, Coloma. Hi, Coloma. Chris. Coloma, yeah. Hi. Um, hi. Um, uh, my husband right now had, uh, we had the Johnson Johnson vaccine shot. And right now he's on probably day 12 of having the virus. Um, whether I, I feel like it would have been worse if he wouldn't have gotten the shot, I don't know. But I don't think that it really, um, I don't think it's that much of a protection. They're putting this. Oh, you got to get the shot, and you'll be protected. And, and I don't believe that. I, I, mm-hmm. I know too many people that have had the shot and gotten uh, the virus. How, you know? how sick? So, you said um, your husband's two think, weeks into this. How how ill is he? I mean, is he is he hospitalized or anything? Um, he had, sure, he had um, uh, uh, oxygen level at about ninety and a temperature at about a hundred for about ten days straight. Um, we finally went to um, urgent care up here. And he did have a mild case of pneumonia, yeah. and um, they gave him like five different medication. And he's 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 kind of turning the corner now. This is probably day twelve or thirteen. Got it. So um, again, we we had we had the J and J. We didn't have the booster. Um, now, if 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 he didn't have the J and J, would he be dead at this point? You know, I, I don't know. But I'm just saying that even with the shot, he still to me, had a severe case of COVID, you know, so I think people are kind of looking at this like, this isn't a magic bullet. This isn't, this isn't going to save me, you know, um, well, it might so say I, it might yeah, save you. Okay, I got it. Well, thanks, for, and I appreciate the perspective, Chris. It, I mean, maybe the answer is it might save you. It just might not stop you from from getting COVID. Which, and, and I, I I do agree. I think that there. When these things were rolled out, and it, 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 it is it is in part all about expectations. A number of texters are making that. When when the vaccines were rolled out initially, it was kind of like, okay, this is going to be the magic bullet. And now we're seeing that maybe it's it's not the, the magic bullet in that it's not going to prevent you from getting from catching this. I guess my feeling is if it prevents you from having to take up a hospital bed or you know being so sick that you have to be hospitalized – it's still it's still worth it. Here's a text. Jeff, as an unvaccinated person, I think the issue is in belief in the vaccine. When rolled out, we were under the impression it would stop the spread. Now it seems it doesn't do that. It does help the chances of surviving and staying out of the hospital. Now we don't know what the booster covers and will it cover the next five variants or will I need to keep getting booster shots? I think this is where the hesitation is. And I, I think there's probably something to that. Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. 
Um, first of all, I want to just I want to commend you for um, continually bringing up the the the, uh, the the truth that getting the vaccine does prevent people more people from getting hospitalized. Yeah, which is the and key. that is really the biggest the biggest point. That is the biggest key right now, right? Right. We need to have hospital beds right. for people who are sick, right? Right. Right. So and, and you're less right. You're less you, likely thank to you die. For <laughs> continually doing that. Thanks. Yeah. So I do appreciate I I appreciate your your rational your common sense thought on that kind of stuff i really do um i'm just like i i just can't like that you know that lady who's like well we don't know if if he'd be worse or not well you know he's not in the hospital right so that's a good thing um and i just feel like people aren't taking into account the fact that like there's verifiable proof that you are like you know 10 times less likely to go to the hospital if you have this vaccine so so what is the where's the disconnect you know like are we so far removed from like people to identify facts from feelings? You know, um, I just I have a real problem with that. Well, you know, it, everybody, you know, yeah. saying they don't want to be. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, th- thanks for calling. I'm sorry, I'm kind of against the clock. I, I appreciate the thought. I guess I, I do find that the booster thing interesting mm-hmm. because I, I understand that there's some people who are, are just are, are don't want to get vaccinated, but. Once you've made the decision to get vaccinated, I guess I kind of look at it thinking, all right, what, what, unless uh, we had the one caller who, and I appreciate that, had a really, really nasty reaction to the boosters. So I, I get it. That might make it say, okay, you know, is, is the booster really going to provide me with this, a, a real added degree of protection that's going to make it worth, worth, you know, having gout and, and getting sick? If so, I understand maybe for that subset of people that had really, really bad reactions, and I'm not talking about fatigue and maybe some flu-like symptoms. I'm talking about really bad reactions, but that's to me got to be a small subset of people. I um I guess for me it was once I made the decision to get the vaccine, which was an easy one for me because I don't have bad reaction to that. And I know whenever I talk about this, I get texts saying, "Well, you're going to regret this five years from now." Well, there might be lots of stuff that I've done that I do that I regret five years from now. Right now, I mean, my immediate concern is I don't want to get anybody else sick. I don't want to end up in the hospital. I don't want people close to me to end up in the hospital. So I'm willing to take those risks. I, I think. You know, this is one of those deals where I think part of the problem might have been that this was oversold in the beginning, that it was going to be like this magic bullet, get vaccinated. And now we're seeing that that that's it it might help you and prevent you from dying, although some people who've been vaccinated do die. I mean, I, I get it. I understand that. But I mean, I'm an odds guy. Statistically, you are much better off if you have been vaccinated than you are if you haven't been vaccinated. There's no guarantees with any of this. But maybe we were oversold a little bit um, on on what the value is. To me, that's not a justification for not getting the boosters because the more people get boosted, get the boosters, the less likely it is that you end up in the hospital. Again, no guarantees. And that frees up more hospital beds for people who get sick from other things. It's 128. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I, I'm just Melissa Barclay. I'm just—it's it, amazing to me. I, we're, we're of course swamped with texts on the whole booster thing and, and stuff, and it's just—it's—I'm it's, just amazed at how uh, how di- divergent people's opinions are on on the whole different thing. And I, I do think maybe maybe 
the vaccinations were oversold to the point of, of suggesting that it's kind of like the magic bullet. Whereas e- even with the flu shots, and I'm a guy who gets the flu shot every year, you know, we're always told that even if you get the flu shots, you can still get the flu. And it's just like last year, I had the flu shot. I got the flu, but I was sick as a dog for a day instead of a week. So to me, that was kind of a good trade-off. And, and here, maybe it doesn't necessarily prevent you from getting COVID, but it prevents you from having the worst aspects of COVID, which to me is a good trade-off. I, I believe so. And, you know, I think it's the cost-to-benefit ratio when you think about it. You don't want to have one of those extreme cases of COVID. And unfortunately, we don't know if you're going to be the person that has one of those extreme cases or this person is going to be the one. So, you know, to do the best that we can to, you know, listen to science and, you know, get that shot to prevent us from getting extremely ill. Yeah, and I, I understand this. I, I hope my, my wife doesn't mind me giving up medical advice about her. But, but, but she, you know, she... Okay, so we both got our vaccinations at the same time. She got hers before mine. and And she had modest negative reactions to them. And, and I don't mean to downplay it. She, she didn't feel good. She had like flu-like symptoms yep. and stuff for a day or so. She didn't feel good. So she was a little bit reluctant to get the booster shot because she had not felt good. And she got the booster shot last Monday, and we've no, and we've had no adverse reactions. Oh, now, that's now, good. Now, well, part of it was me saying, honey, okay, once you get this, she she is an energizer bunny you know and so after <laughs> yeah. she got the shot you know she she was around running and doing stuff and i said look here's the deal you get that shot you're coming home lay down i want you to relax we're not we're not going out at night we're you know taking it easy and you know as opposed to just kind of like going full tilt like she normally does and at least a week later she's had no adverse reaction to it but you know, but I understand if people have had adverse reactions to it, it's something that you you kind of think about. I got to tell you, I mean, I, I get where Fran was coming from. I've had, you know, I don't know, adverse reactions to every one. Uh, the booster, you know, my arm was sore for three days, but and I felt really sick. But I have to say, I, you know, I, I am glad that I got it. I, I don't want to be one of those cases in the hospital. And um, and I do, I do trust the science. So. Yeah, you know, I'm going for it. But you were, I mean, after you got and your I, booster, you felt you were you were at work. Let for me a day. tell you, Jeff. I, I really, I'm one of those people. I did think about it because I, I almost knew that I was going to not feel great for at least 24 hours afterwards. And I felt like after getting, you know, the actual vaccine, you get two doses of that. I felt bad after each one, and then getting the booster, I just felt like I don't want to feel sick again, right? I don't want to feel uh, my body's reaction to that vaccine. So, but uh, I, but I did it. Yeah, understood. Okay. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We need to switch to some Christmas bumper music this week. We need to do some, you know, these are the regular stuff. We need to, like, incorporate some of the Christmas. I, um, last week, I, I just... I've got one more holiday concert to go to, but but last week I went to three Christmas concerts. My um, my wife's grandson, Cash, my grandson, he goes to Sussex Hamilton, and I think on Monday night we went to that show. On Thursday, um, our, our granddaughter Robin, she uh, Pewaukee High School, and they did an out. They, they both did outstanding jobs. It was a wonderful concert. And then um, Saturday night, uh, friends of ours have a Christmas party, and they had the Florentine Opera. Some of the singers from the Florentine Opera came and and did they did some opera stuff, but they did a lot of like traditional folk, uh, you know, Christmas songs as well. So. 
it really kind of gets you in the mood. And I've got one more, our other granddaughter, um, Addie. She's her concert is tomorrow night, I think. So, I, but it, it's I just love the, the Christmas music, and I, I mentioned this the other day. I'm so glad because I remember there have been years when I've done this show and we've talked about the so-called war on on Christmas, and I know some people don't like that term, but but you would have these stories where. You would have, for example, local schools that would decide that we we have to have all secular songs. We 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 can't, you know, the, the song it has to be Jingle Bells Rock and you know Jingle Bells and that type of stuff, and you can't play any of the religious songs. And I always thought that was just dumb as a box of rocks because there are are so many from uh, just a musical perspective. There are so many beautiful. Christmas, non-secular Christmas songs that are out there. I mean, I, Oh Holy Night, you know, Silent Night. I mean, you, you, you name it. It doesn't all have to be Deck the Halls. And I, I always thought that we were doing a huge disservice in, for example, these holiday shows, which are really Christmas concerts, if we said, oh, we can't have any religious songs at all, because I, I think for most people, you, you want people to appreciate that the beauty of the song and to say, okay, well, we're not going to play Silent Night, which I personally feel is maybe the most beautiful song ever written. We're not going to play Silent Night because, well, it's, it's got religious overtones. Who cares? I mean, if you don't, if you're not Christian, that's fine. Just appreciate it for a beautiful song. And thankfully, I think by and large, we have gotten away from it. And I was very pleased, like I said, when I went to the, the concerts at Sussex Hamilton and then at, at Pewaukee High School, at least, they were, it was a mix. It was, yeah, you had the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Jingle Bell Rock, but you also had the, the traditional religious Christmas character and I'll tell you what, nobody was upset. You know, no, nobody walked out fuming, saying, "Oh, they're endorsing religion because they sang Silent Night." People went, "Oh, what a beautiful concert!" So you've got that whole thing going for it. Hey, get your tickets now for Wisconsin's ultimate drive-through holiday experience. WTMJ is proud to support Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Enjoy millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, hundreds of inflatables, a rink for ice skating villagers, a nativity scene, and so much more. To secure your spot now, text the word Christmas to the Accu. Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. It's Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Uh, the um, I, I, I mentioned this at the end of last week. One of the, the things that has come from the departure of, of Donald Trump has been the, the ratings on a lot of these mainstream media sites, whether it's like the Washington Post or the New York Times or CNN or, you know, MSNBC, they've gone into the tank because, like him or hate him, Donald Trump uh, attracted attention. And so when Donald Trump was in office, you had, you know, people would, would tune in. They, they, they'd subscribe to the New York Times and the digital edition because they wanted to see all the different columns that the New York Times wrote talking about what an awful person Trump was. Same for the Washington Post. Same for MSNBC. Now that Trump is gone, that the boogeyman is not there anymore. So they're seeing a, a decline in viewership. They're seeing a decline in readership. And there's almost this sort of grasping attempt to you know, bring Trump back. Now, I understand that Donald Trump's not going anywhere, and I understand he continues to be a divisive and arguably a dominant force in American politics, but he's certainly not where he was you know, like a year ago or a year and a half ago. But in an effort, I think, in large measure to kind of 
click capture eyeballs and try to keep that that train going of the you know the people that hate Trump here. We want them to continue to watch TV, our our shows, or whatever. There's th- this effort to try to recycle you know issues that may have been may have been a big deal a year ago, but that might not really still have legs. The biggest one that I still hear, and matter of fact, I think this was PolitiFact's lie of the year, that the election was stolen. And, the, you know, there, there's one piece after another. I'm looking at one, one column that was in the New York Times in the last couple of days, you know, talking about how this enormous percentage of conservatives still cling to the idea that Donald Trump really is the president of the United States or really was the president of the, is the president of the United States and would have been the president of the United States were it not for voting machines that, that changed thousands of votes or this or that or the other. And to be honest with you, I, I read that and I think, I don't know any of those people. I, I just, I, I don't. My assessment of the election, both in Wisconsin and nationwide, has been, I do not believe that in certain cases the law was followed. I, I think that, you know, you had elections clerks that interpreted law in one way and perhaps interpreted the law in an incorrect way, which is why the Supreme Court needs to straighten this stuff out, or alternatively, that the legislature needs to get together with the governor, not going to happen, and, you know, and work out, okay, is, is, is an event like democracy in the park, is that in fact legal or, or not? Is that illegal vote harvesting or not? You know, it, either the courts need to decide or the legislature and the governor need to clear it up. But, you you can look at, for example, Wisconsin, and you can say, all right, there were these different things that were maybe arguably not the best practice, or or maybe, you know, the interpretation of the law that a particular election clerk followed is an incorrect interpretation. There's the, the whole idea of what we call the Zuck box, where you had the huge amounts of money that came in and were given to predominantly urban areas, which tend to be heavily Democratic, that was used to try to, you know, do voter registration. All right. I, I think that that's legal. I, I think, candidly, it, it's legal. You know, and the Republicans, if they want to respond to it, should probably do their own sort of voter registration drives. But I, th- this idea that, you know, that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. I, I, I understand that that's an impression in the media. And I understand maybe a year ago, th- there might have been a lot of people who felt that way. But a year later, I'm still looking at all these stories. All oh, Republicans refuse to acknowledge that the election was stolen and Trump should really be the president if there wasn't fraud. Our number 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you really believe that? Do people really believe that. And again, you can argue that some things that were done in different states, all right, they they counted absentee ballots for like three days afterwards or, or whatever. You can argue in some cases that there were perhaps not best practices followed. But when you just look at the raw numbers there, I mean, does anybody think that, that Donald Trump really didn't lose the election? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'll be home with my love this Christmas. Okay, there we go. Ask for some Christmas music and it suddenly appears. That's wonderful. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don in Green Bay. Hi, Don. Hey, great show again, Jeff, Thanks. as always. Appreciate it. Um, I, I, 
I can't say that the percentages are accurate, but Trump has a stranglehold on the party quite strongly, and his followers are devout. I don't think there's a question about that. You know, he's taken guys like Ron Johnson that were strong conservatives, and he's got him in his in his uh, wrath or wrath, I should say. Mm-hmm. But so I don't know that that it's seventy percent or fifty nine percent. But those diehard Trumpers, they are they're buying into it still. He's still getting rallies. He's still making appearances and selling the same message. So I, I personally don't know anybody like that, yeah. but. I don't know a lot of diehard Trumpers either. <laughs> no, they, they, well, it, it is, it, it, see, and at some point in time, it just becomes, it becomes counterproductive. And, and, and I, I, I get texts again from people all over the political spectrum on this. And, and I do. That's why I always acknowledge up front that I think that there, I'm not saying that our, our elections are perfect. And I think there's, you can give me, a, I can give you a whole list of things in Wisconsin that I, I think that are, were, were they question, of questionable legality? And I say questionable because you've got a state elections board that says, okay, this is legal. You've got other people who say, no, this isn't legal, or things like that. There, there, there are all these different gray areas that are out there. But that doesn't mean it's absolute fraud. I, I've seen no evidence about, like, the, the voting machines that somebody cast a ballot for Trump and it switched it over to, to Biden. That's kind of like going through the looking glass and stuff like that. But it is interesting for all the attention this gets. I mean, talking about about the elections absolutely being stolen. I I just don't see it. Well, here's the text. Jeff, yes, some people still believe it. I have two siblings and their spouses that are all in by the big on the big lie. That is that Trump still won. Can't even have a, a civil conversation with them. Uh, Merry Christmas. Um, you know, I guess th- to me, I think that there's so many people that are out there that kind of, you know, view this um, from a perspective of, of the political perspective and and just to, to me you, you can't keep fighting last year's battles or, or you know you, you generals are doomed to fail if they end up fighting last year the last war you, you have to recognize what the future is in Wisconsin for example if I was going to give advice to Republicans it would be all right, given the dynamic that you've got a Democrat governor, you've got a Republican legislature, and you have a court that doesn't appear to weigh in on this stuff, well, okay, what you need to do is you need to say, okay, the, these are the procedures. This is what we know is going to happen in 2022, and if you don't like some of the stuff that was done in 2022, well, all right, you haven't been able to change it, and as long as these are going to be the rules that are played by, well, maybe what you need to do is you, you need to play the game the same way. You, you need to follow the, the same set of rules. And then when you get in power or a court throws this out, then then you change them. But that's I, I think that's the way people have to approach this as opposed to, oh, this election was stolen and things like that, because I don't think the majority of people are there. Jeff, I have always felt that Trump was robbed of the election and it was stolen from him, not by any fraud or action by the Democratic Party, but the by, by the pandemic itself. Well, that ties in to what I was saying earlier. I I firmly believe now, post November sixth, I think Donald Trump has has done things which, in my opinion, and again, you can send me the text, you can disagree, make him unelectable moving forward. The the refusal to accept the election, the going through the the conspiracy stuff, the associating with himself with like the Rudy Giuliani's of the world, and that that, that the crazy lawyer Sydney, whatever her name was, and then the, the November sixth reaction. I mean, I, I think that that. 
that, in my opinion, has made Donald Trump unelectable moving forward. But but before that, on November 6th, I, I continue to believe, as I said in the last hour, that if it were not for COVID and a perception that Donald Trump's or the reality, however you want to see it, that his reaction to COVID was inappropriate, even though, as I said earlier, I, I think that, you know, it's... I think presidents and those things get too much credit and too much blame, which is one of the reasons why Biden finds himself in so much trouble right now, at least politically. But I think if it weren't for COVID, I think Trump would have been reelected. Trump would have probably been reelected in in a walk. Um, so the the idea that it's uh, there's this fraud out there, if if you believe that, what you really need to do, I think, is is kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, where where did that fraud? And I mean, actual fraud. Efforts to, you know, have dead people vote, efforts to, you know, not use an election technique that might be questionable, but rather out and out fraud. Where where exactly did that come from and where do the numbers come from? And I think everybody kind of needs to move on and figure out, Okay, we're moving into 2022. The 20 elect 19, the 2020 election is in the rearview mirror. All right. Let's figure out where we go in 2022 if we want to advance the points of our side. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barclay, this is a, this is a reason why I, I have every reason to be upset with my parents. I'm, I blame my parents for this. I'm ready for it. They should have made me take guitar lessons or piano <laughs> lessons when I was like five or six or seven years old. I blame them all for this because, you see this? Bruce Springsteen just signed a deal. He's selling his the rights to his music catalog, $550 million. Hmm, so you're thinking you missed out on being uh, the next Bruce Springsteen? Uh, well, or or <laughs> I, I could have maybe been Bruce Springsteen before he was before Bruce, Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely. Yes. But it's it's just, I think my parents appreciated early on that I had like no musical talent. And, it, but, and so no piano lessons, no guitar lessons, no nothing like that. You know, and, it's so funny. I think there are a lot of people like you out there that sort of like hold this thing over their parents my parents gave me piano lessons and i hated them oh yeah (laughs) i took them for eight years but i did learn a lot about music and i wanted voice lessons so later on i took voice lessons but yeah okay so can can you play the piano i can Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh was it hard it was yeah i mean yeah i mean the theory part was hard all of it was kind of hard because uh, i was more of a i could listen to it right i would i could hear it and play it but for sight vision, like reading music was not necessarily my thing. But if someone played it, I could then figure it out. I, <laughs> I, I mean, as, as listeners know, because yeah. of the things we do, I, I absolutely love music. But I, I have, I have no musical yeah. talent. I have no musical <laughs> aptitude at all. So I, I'm kind of joking around about that. But it's kind of like, wow, you, you see what these because you have all these artists who are now. In their 70s and mm-hmm. their 80s, you know, and it's Springsteen and it's Bob Dylan and it's Paul Simon and it's, you know, uh, uh, Joni Mitchell, um, Tina Turner, Stevie Nicks, you know, Neil Young just did it too. And they're all selling their catalogs for just enormous amounts of money. I, I think it would be a very personal decision. I know there's a lot of money attached to it, but every song you write... $550 million. <laughs> I think I could probably sell the rights for that much. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, and of course, and, and there's two... The way I understand it, there there's two things that 
that that go along with this. First of all is your your music catalog. So it's your recordings and things like that that they that they sell so that you know they sell these companies who then would license it out. So you want to mm-hmm. you know you want to use Glory Days in or or Born to Run in a movie. The movie comes to you and has to pay you for the right to do it. And then the the other thing is what they call the song publishing thing, and that's the rights n- not to your version of the song, but it's the rights to license the music. The, so if they want to hire you to sing, you know, Born to Run, it's that. But five hundred fifty million dollars, oh yeah. it's just it's oh, just kind of staggering, insane amount to even think about, right? Like, right. what would you even do with five hundred fifty million dollars? We, <laughs> we can yeah. think of a lot of things. Well, and it, it's true, you you don't get the idea necessarily that Tina Turner, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen, you don't necessarily get the idea that they're you know, um, having tag sales. I, you don't get the idea that yeah. they're short on money. Yeah, but at the out. same time, I kind of understand this. But, you know, it was so interesting because over the years, you had all these performers who were so aggressive in controlling their, their song rights. You know, we I remember the big story of The Doors, you know, Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. and they, their, their deal was the four musicians in The Doors, they, always, they agreed that everything they did would be controlled equally by by them and so all the band members had to sign off on stuff and the song light my fire which mm-hmm. was their their first really big hit they wanted to the other band members wanted to sell the rights to that song to chevy or whatever and morrison just freaked they said hey, i'm not gonna let yeah. my stuff be used commercially well it's interesting because you mentioned stevie nixon there i guess, i'm guessing if you know if she wanted to sell some of the fleetwood mac stuff she would have to consult with everyone in fleetwood mac before doing that well it depends if 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 she wrote the song Hmm. So that's that's the way it works. If she wrote wrote the song, she controls what's called the publishing rights. Yeah, yeah, the performance thing. That's the other side. But yeah, if, if Stevie Nicks wrote whatever song, uh, Goldust Woman. Yeah, I think yeah, she yeah. wrote Goldust Woman. Um, so you know, she could control the publishing rights, so she could sell the rights to Goldust Woman. It's like the Beatles. The deal was Lennon and McCartney agreed that everything they they wrote. Regardless of of which one of them wrote it, it would be a Lennon McCartney tune. That was the deal that they cut when they were kids. I was so, going to say that could get a little tricky when you have multiple people writing on one or two right, or three songs. Right. That could get right. very so their, airy. So their so their agreement was even if it was a song that Paul McCartney wrote ninety five percent of it on, it came out Lennon and McCartney, Lennon McCartney and, and vice yeah. versa. And so mm-hmm. they they all control that. But so their catalog, their Lennon McCartney publishing catalog, would be different. George Harrison, for example, when he was alive, or now the estate, they, they don't control the Lennon McCartney stuff. They, but just like George Harrison, he wrote "My Sweet Lord," and so the Lennon McCartney don't control. It's, it's a fascinating mm-hmm, sort of that thing. That is fascinating. But a ton of I, the New York Times was saying that Springsteen. Just his catalog rights, um, it generates like $17 million <sighs> a year. Yeah. And it, interestingly, it's probably because of us baby boomers who are driving all these things that the, the, it's the, the stuff from the 60s and the 70s, the artists who were really popular then, that's the stuff that everybody wants to, um, wants to um, license right now. So yeah. the, the the more recent stuff hasn't caught on yet. Well, Jeff, you missed the boat. I missed the boat. <laughs> you missed the boat. Mom yeah. and Dad, you should have made me <laughs> sign up for those piano lessons. What can you do? Hey, when we come back, um, it happened on Friday. Some area schools closed down. Where do we go from here? And what's with this TikTok stuff? Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> 
This weekend, you have another chance to hear our brand new WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Christmas, starring Gene Miller and the WTMJ Players, plus surprise visits from some of your favorite personalities around the Badger State. Tune in this Friday, Christmas Eve at noon and 6 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. for the WTMJ holiday radio show, It's a Wonderful Career, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices, Drake and Associates, and Dave Drake Camp Heating, benefiting Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. Why aren't we going to be able to hear it on Christmas Day? Well, I have a three-word answer for you. Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers play Saturday, Christmas Day, against the Cleveland Browns. And the good news for all of us Packer fans out there is the fact that um, the Packers now are in the driver's seat for the the buy. If they win the NFC, their, their conference, only one team under the new playoff rules gets a bye. Now, Packers had the bye last year, and, and they weren't able to get the Super Bowl. But still, you'd much rather have the bye, the number one seed. Any playoff games that you have would be up to the Super Bowl would be in Lambeau Field. So it, it's, a, it's a big deal. And that's why the, going into the games yesterday, the Packers had the same record as Arizona, and Tampa Bay, but had the tiebreakers if they had finished evenly. Well, Arizona and Tampa Bay both lost yesterday, and the Packers won. So now the Packers have they're, they're a game up on those two teams. I got to check what the tiebreaker situation is with Dallas. But the bottom line of all this is, if the Packers were to win out, that is beating Cleveland at home on Saturday beating Minnesota at home the following week, and then they finish the season against Detroit. And Detroit is a woeful team, even though they knocked off Arizona yesterday. If the Packers win their remaining three games, they're guaranteed to get that bye week, um, get a chance to rest, get everybody healthy. It was a big win yesterday. If they were to lose one, I still think they've got a little bit of a cushion because I think they're still going to have the tiebreaker over Arizona and uh, Tampa Bay. I'm not sure where Dallas fits in with all that. But the bottom line is... The Packers control their own destiny. destiny. If they win their remaining three games, they finish at 14-3, and which would be an absolutely great year. And I don't think that there's any reason why they can't. I mean, you know, Cleveland and Minnesota, and I understand Minnesota beat them in Minnesota, but I don't know, playing Lambeau Field, you know, late December, early January, I mean, I'll, I'll take my odds with that. So big win yesterday, and everything's looking good. And if you're wondering when the next Packers game is, it's not on Sunday. It is on Saturday, which is Christmas Day, which is why no holiday radio show, because we're going to be in Packers coverage. Okay, Friday, last Friday, Sussex Hamilton High School canceled classes for the kids. Chippewa Falls High School canceled classes for the kids all across the country classes at schools were canceled at many schools across the country even though the schools remained open the parents kept their kids at home why well it's all because of the tick tock challenge the quote national shoot up your school day trend was rumored on TikTok, and it raised concerns about students committing acts of violence on December 17th. Some posts warned against students attending class, none named specific schools or districts. But so what, what ended up happening is 
just like on, on TikTok, you get these these different challenges. Remember, there there was the here go eat the Tide Pods. You know what a good idea. What could possibly do? Take the Tide Pod challenge, or there was the other TikTok challenge about you know dump the bottle the the bucket of water over your head. Things like that. Some stuff which is is harmless but other stuff which isn't. So there was this national shoot up your school day, and it, what happened is you'd have kids who would see this and then they would pass it on, and school officials uh, became, again, alarmed with this. And like I say, parents, even parents who, who heard authorities say there were no credible challenge threats, and, and by the way, at Sussex, Hamilton, and Chippewa Falls, authorities didn't think there were credible threats, but nevertheless, school officials in today's day and age, and I, I get it, I'm not going to criticize them, um, because the truth of the matter is, even if they hadn't canceled school, when parents find out about this, they say better safe than sorry, so they don't send the kids in. So, But, but you had a day of learning that was completely and totally either canceled at places across the country, or it was disrupted, all because all because you had a handful of idiots across the nation who decided, hey, this would be cool. There's this TikTok challenge. I'm going to take a screenshot of this, and I'm going to send it around. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to criticize school officials for the decision to hold school or not hold school. It's a very, very difficult call in today's day and age. If it were me, absent evidence of a clear, definable threat, I would go ahead and have school because there's all this sort of craziness that goes on aided and abetted by the Internet. But I, I get where administrators are coming from, especially since, like I say, parents make the decision not to send their kids anyways. I'm more concerned about the aftermath of this. And by that, I mean the people that were responsible for this. For example, my understanding is at Sussex Hamilton, they, they know and they've identified a couple of the kids who, who passed th- this thing on. We, we know, and they're able to figure out, at least at some of the local schools, who was fomenting this and, and passing it on. So my question is, for the people that passed it on, that, that caused the disruptions, do you simply say, oh, this was a childish prank, you should have known better for it? Because I guarantee you all the kids are going to say, well, we didn't really intend to shoot up the school. You know, we didn't intend to come in, and our plan wasn't national shoot up your school day. We we weren't doing that. We just kind of passed it on. We shouldn't be held accountable. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For the kids that thought this was clever or funny or whatever and spread these type of rumors regardless of whether the school closed or not, I mean, should should they be turned over to juvenile authorities? Should there be discipline at the schools? Or is this, oh, it was just a childish prank, they've learned their lesson, they're sorry about it? 855-616-1620. My answer is, at a very minimum, very minimum, I think kids that were responsible for spreading some of these rumors or passing this unfounded stuff on that generated all this consternation that generated increased costs because of police resources, whatever. If it's not a matter of referring them to juvenile authorities, at the very least, they need to be suspended from school for a while. And depending on how deep their involvement was, maybe that's a long while. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, the kids didn't pass it on as much as the news media. Shouldn't the news media be held accountable to? Well, it's one thing to report on something that is out there that is generating schools to be closed. It's another thing to be a kid who is passing on threats to other people. Uh, so, I mean, it, should the news media be held accountable for saying, hey, schools are closing because you've got this TikTok threat that's out there? Well, well no, that's that's news. On the other hand, if you've got kids that are passing it on, especially depending on what they're saying when they pass it on, that, I think, is a whole different story. Oh, I'm sorry. Don in Sheboygan. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi, Don. Hey, listen, you know what? I, I don't think that there is uh, there is a punishment high enough for these these kids that are mindless. And, and putting this stuff out there and passing it on TikTok. Uh, let me just give you a little story. My wife works for Inner City. She took a, a, a took a position at a high school. First time ever. She was always K through eight, and um, they kind of shuffled things around. And she wound up inheriting a sweat hog type classroom. These are kids that have had their troubles and pretty much on their last their last go at it. These are freshmen. For people kids. who don't know, that's a reference uh, to the old welcome the sweat hog thing is a reference to the old Welcome Back Cotter show with Gabe Kaplan from years ago. Yes, okay. It is. Got it. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Absolutely. So for us old guys that we we know what kind of class that was. So these kids are very there's a there's a few kids, let's say five out of a class of thirty that were so disruptive that they would lure everybody else into it and she'd lose control of the class. Her principal, first time ever, had her back on it, and he said, you know what, give me a list of kids, and if they are disruptive, without just send them to my office, and we get these kids three times, they're going to be expelled. And everybody thought she was bluffing when she told this, announced this to the class. And all of a sudden, it started going off to the principal's office, off to the principal's office. Well, lo and behold, two of them aren't coming back. And they have this little text thing where they can send it to the school and, and my wife will get it. And he said, you, you got my friend expelled. And she came back with, no, his actions got him expelled. Yeah. So now going on to this TikTok BS, there isn't a punishment high enough. Expel everybody that you can prove has passed it on, even at that level, expel them. Let them go through the expulsion hearings and then say, okay, fine, we'll back it down to suspension, but it's going to send such a ripple tide and maybe it'll call some of these idiots from passing on. It won't call them all because I guarantee you it's the kids that were expelled from my wife's class. They're the mentals that are are doing this, this whole thing. Thanks for the call. Well, I mean, I, I think you have to treat this seriously. Uh, here's a text, Jeff. There needs to be zero tolerance to threats. Expulsion is the consequence. The school I work at will have an expulsion as a result, pending board approval. Students, teachers, parents need to feel safe. No, there's no question uh, about it. There, This is it. Jeff, reaction to social media can be so fast that no thinking is involved. Um I, they should get a pass this time, this is what the texts are saying, but the kids should be warned that another occurrence would have harsh consequences. Now, I think you have to have a zero-tolerance policy. Now, whether you suspend or expel, that's different. But I, I think in today's day and age, everybody that 
everybody should reasonably know that you make threats and you're going to be held accountable. And if you close schools and cause authorities to spend thousands of dollars in extra security and freak out parents, all of which is what this does, just because you think it's clever, well, okay, maybe you need to learn the hard way that it's not. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.